Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 High FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. Welcome. It is Thursday afternoon. Welcome aboard. Fresh thinking. You are with Rabbi Shishler. We're here together until 3 o'clock. And I came across a very interesting story in the news, in the Israeli news, that is, today that I wanted to share with you. I was away last week in the States. Maybe I'll share some of that as well because it is or could be relevant to our conversation. So, it's a... Is it chilly outside or is it not chilly outside? I, I don't know. But what really cracked me up yesterday was the there was a tweet from the weather station saying unseasonably high temperatures in Gauteng. Now, what was funny about it is that a couple of weeks ago, the same the same uh, weather station tweeted, get your woolies out because single digit temperatures are here to stay. So that's why. Is it? Is it or is it not? cool outside. Anyhow, that's not what we're going to be talking about today, but it does always make me wonder about how we go about trying to predict what's going to happen in the future when, at the end of the day, we can't even predict what's happening in the weather. So that's not what we're going to talk about. As I mentioned, instead, I want to share with you an article that appeared in the Jerusalem Post today. Uh, It's not so much about the article. It's a lot more about the message. So what happened was this. There's been a lot of controversy recently in Israel around people working on Shabbos. Now, of course, there are people who believe very strongly that Israel is a Jewish state and Jewish law says that you may not work on Shabbos. So that's it. Case closed. And over the course of our history, uh, at least the history of the state in its current form, there are many, many businesses that are closed. That's just the way it is. Recently, Things have changed a bit, and uh, various proprietors have opened their businesses on Shabbos. So here's the interesting part. Beginning of the week, the Knesset took a vote on a law that was proposed by two ministers. And basically the proposal was that you should not be allowed to force an employee to work on Shabbos. So in other words, if say somebody owns a shop, a restaurant, whatever the case is, and they themselves are not observant. And they feel that within, I think it's in various cities where you're allowed to operate on Shabbos. You, so if you want to keep your shop open on Shabbos, but then you have an employee who refuses to work on Shabbos. So the new law says that you may not force them to work on Shabbos. No surprise, right? Obviously, freedom of religion. If a person doesn't want to work on Shabbos, then they don't have to work on Shabbos. Here's what's interesting about it. What's interesting about it is that the new law is specific to people who are not themselves Shabbos observant. Get that? In other words, this law came before Knesset at the beginning of the week, and it says, let's assume that Joe Cohen owns a business, and he wants to operate it on Shabbos, and Joe employs a guy called Max, and Max is not Shabbos observant. In other words, he'll go to the cinema on Shabbos, and he'll drive around on Shabbos and all that kind of thing, but Max decides that he does not want to work on Shabbos because it is Shabbos, Well, then Joe's not allowed to force him to come to work on Shabbos. That's what's interesting about this new law. And it was passed unanimously in the Knesset, not one dissenting vote. So my question is, what do you think about that? What do you think, A, about the fact that we have a law now in Israel that says you cannot force somebody who does not keep Shabbos, you can't force them to work on Shabbos? And what do you think about the person 
who doesn't keep Shabbos but now is using Shabbos as a reason not to come to work. So there, something to think about. Love to hear your thoughts on that. 34519 if you're going to SMS your views. Otherwise, WhatsApp 0618951019. As always, you can tweet at Chai FM. You can tweet me directly at Rabbi Shish. Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 Chai FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. So obviously, as is to be expected, a couple of messages already coming through. Here's the scoop. Earlier this week, the Knesset in Israel passed unanimously a new bill which says that if a person does not observe Shabbos, you still cannot force them to come to work on Shabbos. It's now unconstitutional. Isn't that interesting? So here you've got somebody who themselves, I don't know what they're going to be doing. At that time when, uh, you know, they're not at work because they're not necessarily going to shul and they're not necessarily staying home. For all you know, they might be hanging out in the cinema playing golf or something along those lines. And nevertheless, they are protected. You cannot now take them to task or fire them or anything like that because they didn't come to shul on uh, to, to shul. <laughs> they didn't come to work on Shabbos because that is now their prerogative. It's interesting. I, I think it's really, really fascinating. Here's the the Quotation. So, as I said, the law was passed unanimously, 57 to 0 votes, and it allows workplaces to request an exemption due to special circumstances, okay, that we are not really focused on. Here, one of the Chavrei Knesset, one of the ministers who proposed the vote, Miki Zohar from the Likud, said this, the Shabbat belongs to everyone. It's a nice line. The Shabbat belongs to everyone. So, in other words, that means to say, effectively what he's saying is, even if a person is not observant of Shabbat, still, it's theirs. It's our heritage. It's just by virtue of being a Jewish person. And therefore, you can't force that person to come to work on Shabbat. And then he goes on to say this. There is no law that is more democratic and Jewish than this. Interesting. Interesting. And then here's another comment, which I think is really, really interesting as well. A comment from one of the other uh, MKs, one of the other members of Knesset, who says that the law is balanced, does not force anything on employers, and here's the best part, enables people to stop lying about whether they keep the commandments in order to be able to rest. I think that's classic. In other words, basically what he's saying is it would appear that up until this point in time, people who did not want to work on Shabbos, would have to then convince their employer that they were in fact observant when they really were not to be able to get out of work. Now they don't have to worry about that. They don't have to come up with a cover story because it is in the in the, uh, in the the comment of Mickey Zohar, it is the heritage. It belongs to all of us. Shabbos belongs to all of us. And therefore, you cannot start judging a person whether or not they're observant. I think it's really interesting. I think it also raises certain questions that relate to us here at home. For example, back in the days of conscription, so those people who were in the defense force, as it was called then, and wanted to go home to spend Shabbos, or I think they went to host families before my time, really. But I, I, if I understand correctly, people were allowed to go to host families for Friday night if they were Shabbos observant. 
and um, I think maybe even to go home for the whole Shabbos. Maybe if you were in the army in those days and you remember, you can just jog our memory a little bit about how it used to work back then. And needless to say, suddenly everybody was Shabbos observant and needed to be able to go home or to go to families to be able to spend Shabbos. And they could not, God forbid, have remained on the on the base. Well, that's quite similar to what we're reading about over here in Israel, that the people didn't ha- no longer have to lie about their observance in order to be able to not work on Shabbos. Here's another variation on the theme, keeping it local. And maybe you have a strong view on this. Maybe this is something that affects you personally, either you or a family member. And that is to get an exemption for writing an exam if it coincides with Shabbos. Now, there was a time that I was quite active on the university campuses and very frequently would receive requests from students, please, can I get a letter? Because we were authorized at that stage to give letters to exempt students from an exam if it coincided with Shabbos or with Yom Tov. They would obviously have to write the same exam at a different date. And often it was people who approached and said, please, can I have a letter of exemption for the university? But these were not necessarily Shabbos observant people. So it's a conversation that doesn't only limit itself to Israel. It's a conversation that applies to all of us here as well, I suppose, all over the world and probably not only to Shabbos. I imagine that you could extend this further and say there are certain things that people will claim as part of their Jewish heritage. And sometimes we raise an eyebrow and say, well, isn't that just a little bit hypocritical because you're not so dedicated to Torah observance generally, or in this case, to Shabbos observance generally, why now? Is it just simply a get-out-of-work-free pass? What do you think about that? So there's two sides to the argument, okay? And that's, I'm curious about both sides. What do you think about the ruling in the Knesset? Do you think it's a good thing? Do you think it shows that there is a respect for Judaism that is balanced nicely with democracy? Or do you think that uh, let people make their own choices and maybe it's unfair to an employer if you insist that the employer may not cause uh, his employees to come to work on Shabbos and and maybe that's going to affect his business, which is part of, uh, obviously I have very strong views on this, but you may have different views. So that's one side of the question. The other side of the question is what do you think of the person? What do you think of the the, the thought process or the hypocrisy potentially of people who say, look here, I'm not going to keep Shabbos, but I am going to use it as a reason to not have to come to work. So those are the different angles on it. Here on Twitter is HB Schmo. <laughs> How do you like that for a name on Twitter? Says it is a good first step. That's obviously in response to, you know, what do you think about the bill? A bill that doesn't, that, that allows employees to escape work because of Shabbos. So he says it is a good first step. Now let's pass a law allowing secular Jews to refuse to go to stadiums or movies. <laughs> well, nobody's going to force anybody to go to a stadium or to go to a movie. That's very much your choice. And it's very much, I suppose, a good test of whether or not a person is really committed to their principles and to their religion. You know, it's all very well to say, I'm not going to go to work. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's great. So you're not going to go to work. Well, everybody would like to get out of work. And if Shabbos happens to be a good, easy way to do so, to get out of work, well, then by all means. But what happens if there are other things that you're supposed to do 
uh, like not go to the movies, as he suggests on Twitter. Here's Chesky. Chesky says maybe people will now be inspired to light candles too. Well, who says that they are mutually exclusive? Who says that a person has to be Shabbos observant to light candles? Maybe Chesky's comment is specifically about the Israeli context. Because I know over here in South Africa where we are a strongly traditional community. And boy, oh boy, did I see contrast last week. Had the opportunity to be in various American, North American, well, United States Jewish communities. And wow, we have a lot that we can take pride in as a South African Jewish community, just in terms of infrastructure and focus and dedication and sense of community and tradition. In any event, so coming back to Chesky's comment about candle lighting, I think there are plenty of people who light Shabbos candles, even though they're not necessarily Shabbos observant. And it's not contradictory. That means to say, I know people often believe, well, you're doing the one, you're not doing the other. That's some kind of hypocrisy. It's not necessarily hypocrisy. In fact, that's very much what I'd like to talk about, this notion of hypocrisy. Is it hypocritical for a person to say, it's Shabbos for me, I'm not going to go to work, but instead I'm going to sit at home and watch movies, play Xbox, go to the beach, take a drive down to wherever. You know, is that is that hypocrisy? And should we be concerned about that kind of hypocrisy? That's really where I'd like to go with the conversation uh, during the course of the time that we have together today. So to me, if somebody lights Shabbos candles, that's a good thing. Shabbos candles is not necessarily the same as a person saying, I'm not going to work because it's Shabbos. And instead, they're actually just going to do fun stuff. Nowhere in the Torah does it say Shabbos is the day of fun. It says Shabbos is the day of rest. And the term rest is quite specific because rest means letting go of those things that you feel that you're in control of the rest of the week. What do you think? 34519 to send your SMS thoughts. And there's some other tweets coming through, which I'll share with you shortly. That's at Chai FM or directly at Rabbi Shish. You can still WhatsApp 0618951019. And you can phone us on 0101403020. Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 High FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. Okay, so... Talking about this story, this new rule, this new law that's just been uh, passed in Knesset, basically to say that you cannot force somebody to work on Shabbos, even if they are your employee and they are not Shabbos observant. So the question for me is, what do you think about that? Do you think it's a good thing? Do you think we're moving in a healthy direction? Do you think people will take advantage of it? Do you think it's hypocritical for a person who says, "Uh, listen, I don't really keep Shabbos, but the bottom line is it's a great way not to have to go to work. And, you know, as everybody would like an opportunity not to go to work, well, most people at least. So what do you think? Uh, Here's another comment. Somebody says, pass a law prohibiting so-called secular Jews from going to shul. Perhaps the reverse psychology will work. Does reverse psychology work on Jewish people? It's hard to know because Jews are dafka, you know. So when you tell them to do something, they'll dafka do the opposite. But then when they suspect that what you're doing is reverse psychology, then they'll dafka not fall for the reverse psychology because they're dafka at the end of the day. Interesting suggestion nonetheless. Here's another tweet from Danny. says, uh, this is good referring obviously to this new law that's been passed in Israel. This is good. In the hospitality industry in Israel, one cannot get a job because one has to work on Shabbat. That's interesting. Is that factual? I don't know. I don't know enough about it. But of course, you go to Israel and you stay in a hotel and you do see that the staff is working on Shabbat. But, but then again, we have kosher hotels 
many of them. And needless to say, in order for a, a hotel to be kosher, the staff that does things on Shabbos which are not Shabbos compliant may, by definition, not be Jewish. So is that absolutely true? I wonder, does anybody out there know? Do you know if it is possible to work in the hospitality industry in Israel and observe Shabbos? My gut says it is possible and that there are plans and contingencies to be able to protect your ability to keep Shabbos. But then again, I don't know. I've only uh, occasionally been into a hotel in Israel on Shabbos and certainly not as an employee. So I don't know. If there's anybody there who can shed some light on that, please do. 34519 if you can SMS us on that or WhatsApp 0618951019. Is there any problem working in the hospitality industry in Israel if you keep Shabbos? Needless to say, in other parts of the world, including locally, you can't expect that the industry is going to accommodate you. Uh, you, they, you know, they can tell you find a different industry that's not Shabbos intensive. The hospitality industry is possibly quite Shabbos intensive. Then again, you got to be careful with that. I just, when I was in the states a couple of days ago, somebody told a magnificent story about this flea market. This was in North Carolina. Now, just to give you some context, North Carolina is very, very far from being a powerful Jewish environment. They have more Jews than we have here in, I think in the whole of South Africa, actually, North Carolina. But the infrastructure is, no, perhaps that's wrong. That that might have been Denver. I get confused. It was in a few different places. In any event, so they told a beautiful story about a Jewish person who owned a stall at a flea market in Raleigh, North Carolina. Raleigh is the capital of North Carolina. And this person had this this flea market and the flea market was open two days a week Saturday and Sunday and then they started to become observant so they now had to face the incredible dilemma about what do you do with a stall on Shabbos because those are your two days of trade Shabbos and Sunday that's it and this person took the plunge and closed their stall on a Shabbos and the, the person who was telling me the story said, you can go. It was on a Sunday. He tells me the story. You can go today. You can go to the flea market. You'll find the guy there. This is the particular items that he carries in his stall open only one of the two days of trade and has actually been more successful now than he was before. Interesting. We are taught that you observe Shabbos and Shabbos will look after you or more correctly, Hashem will look after you. So that's why I've got to be really careful, and I think we all have to be really careful not to say that there's certain industries which do not allow you the opportunity to take Shabbos off. It's not true. It's very much about a headspace. It's about a perspective, and it's about coming up with the correct contingencies to be able to do what needs to be done in a way that is permissible on Shabbos. So nobody commenting yet on the hypocrisy side of it. In other words, is it hypocritical for a person who does not keep Shabbos to then say, I don't want to work, and it's my right not to work, now ensconced in the Constitution or in the rule book of Israel, but actually you're just going to go and jaw. Is that acceptable? So here's somebody on Twitter, Project Enigmatic Tzniot. That's an interesting Twitter handle says without extra deep thoughts I think it could be good could be a bridge towards more observance it also means there's no who is from enough gatekeeping okay two different things I suppose that we uh, need to we need to examine over there but I'd like to rather just focus on the first thing first and that is the bridge now I wonder if anybody else feels the same way it's two opinions that have come through saying similar things that it's nice it's great it's a bridge 
It's a means towards an end. Now, I'm a rabbi, so needless to say, that's what I wish. I wish that every Jewish person would be fully Shabbos observant. And that would be a great thing for us as a people, to be great for the world, to be great for our spirituality, be great for the blessings we have in our lives, etc. That's what I believe absolutely. And I'm in the business of getting people to keep Shabbos. But having said that, I think we have to be careful about seeing things of value as stepping stones towards things of greater value. Just the other day, somebody asked me a question. It's a difficult question to answer. Somebody asked, is this some kind of weighting system of mitzvahs? That's weighting as in which is more valuable than the next. Is there such a thing? Can you say, for example, this mitzvah registers 100 points on the scale. That mitzvah is only 25 points on the scale. So if you've got that mitzvah choice or that mitzvah choice, take the one that's got bigger impact. Is there, in fact, such a thing? So let's look at it in this context. Let's say that you've got a person who is not Shabbos observant. Now you're giving them the opportunity to do one less thing that desecrates Shabbos. So don't go to work. Obviously, during the course of work, you'll be firstly doing the classic work. I know it's not halachically correct to define work as being employed or going to your place of employment. The halachic definition of work is specifically various kinds of activities. But still, in most people's minds, not to go to work is already a psychological acceptance that Shabbos is meaningful. Again, even though practically they may desecrate Shabbos just as much not being at work, still there's something, there's some kind of a switch that happens in the person's mind. Plus, there is even the possibility that they will desecrate Shabbos less when they're not at work than they would at work. So, for example, a person may say, I'm not going to go to work, so I'm going to sleep in. And there's three hours of time that that person may have been desecrating Shabbos in the work environment, but now they're at home and they're just chilling in bed. And even though that's not a spiritually meaningful thing to do, it's certainly not desecrating Shabbos. Is there value in that? I think this opens, this particular conversation opens a broader conversation, which is the conversation of, is there value in doing something minor that is positive, even if there are major things in the same class, under the same category that you are not doing or that you're failing at. So I'm using Shabbos over here as a template because that was the particular discussion uh, that, that came up because of this new law in Israel. But the truth is you can apply it across the board. For example, is it a value? Here's an interesting one. Is it a value for a person to say, I will not eat any pork bacon product? But that same person would eat, let's say, a cheeseburger. So it's beef in the burger. Cheese and beef in many people's minds is not as serious as an, an offense as eating bacon, as an example. But halakhically, that might be completely misguided. You know, one is a forbidden food and the other is a forbidden food. So is there a value in a person saying, well, at least I don't. At least I don't eat meat out. Or at least I keep X amount of the mitzvah, this percentage of the mitzvah. Is there value in that? I think that that opens a whole nother conversation, which is not just about hypocrisy. It's a little bit deeper than that. It's about the value of the small things 
that we do. So if you've got a thought on that, even if it's not specifically about Shabbos and even if it's not specifically about hypocrisy, but just about the value of so-called small things that you could do, then I'd be very interested to hear what it is that you have to say. So 34519, if you'd like to send an SMS or WhatsApp, 0618951019. Most of the messages today coming through on Twitter at Rabbi Shish, but you can also tweet directly to the station at Chai FM. Now, wouldn't a hot waffle and cream with maple syrup be perfect right now? How about authentic Italian soft serve ice cream dipped into hot caramel or chocolate crunch? I think many people will be salivating just hearing that. For a more savory hunger buster, how about some sushi, a toasted sandwich, or even a late brunch? For delicious breakfasts, lunches, and milchik treats, check out Moo's Milk Bar in Genesis Center, Fairmount. You can also phone them 011-485-0354. That's the Moo's Milk Bar. And remember to ask about their affordable kids' parties too. So if you have just tuned in, it's Fresh Thinking Time with Rabbi Shishla until 3 o'clock. And today talking about a new bill that's been passed in Israel, which says that you may not force your employee to come to work on Shabbos, even if they are not Shabbos observant. number of people commenting that they think this is great. We're moving in a healthy direction, more awareness, more commitment to tradition. And that's very positive, which for me raises a question. Do you need to be moving in a direction in order for something to be positive? Could it be inherently positive in and of itself? And do we sometimes fall into that trap of thinking it's about percentages? So if you're doing 10%, that's great, but we'd like you to do 20%. Is that how spirituality moves? Is that how our observance works? And I'll tell you what the potential pitfall there is is that if I'm going to say that look a person's doing 10% it's good because they're moving in the right direction then are we expecting 100% in order for them to be so called in that right place and if we are expecting 100% does anybody ever get there maybe in certain things we do some things are a little bit more black and white so it's easier to detect if you've reached 100% but many things are not So do you aim for 100%? Do you say that 50% is not really good enough because we're trying to achieve 100%? Or do you say, look, you've done something which is valuable. Let's celebrate that. This is good. You've done something meaningful. So that's part of the conversation. I think that has to be part of this particular conversation. And uh, I'd be very interested to hear your thoughts. Now, Something that, that I'll just tell you an interesting story that perhaps um, would illustrate the point. So last week, okay, last week um, in last Travis, I mean, a little town in North Carolina. Now, North Carolina, I'd never been there before. And to be honest, I don't believe I'd ever been to a place in the United States that was so middle America as North Carolina is. You know, usually as Jewish people, we land up in New York, Chicago, Boston, Baltimore, Los Angeles, maybe Florida, you know, all these places have strong Jewish feel to their Jewish communities. North Carolina, the Jewish community is really, at least where I was in this particular town, really, really minuscule. And there's no infrastructure, no school, no kosher facilities, very small shuls, including the reform. It was just interesting. And I I met interesting people, you know, with a different kind of experience of their Judaism to what we're used to. One of the people was so cute on Friday night. So we had a dinner and I spoke at the dinner after the dinner comes up. He says, I really enjoyed it and I'm going to be back tomorrow, but I'm going to be late. 
And then he goes on to explain that the reason he's going to be late is because he is the lead guitarist at the Reform Temple in the next town over, and he can't let them down. So he's got to drive there, play the guitar, come over to us, and, you know, join the experience at us. So I thought, okay, fine. I mean, you know, it's obviously different to what we're used to over here, the idea of a musical service, definitely different to our traditions. Not saying it doesn't exist here locally, but it's not common. That's not the part that, that tickled me. What was amazing was when this fellow came back and he joined us for the afternoon and he really engaged and you could see he's got an incredibly active mind, quite out of the box thinking. It was a beautiful interaction. And then he said this. And, and to me, this was so amazing. He said, Purim. Now, Purim's not that long ago. How many months ago was Purim? Uh, five months ago. So Purim time, the local Chabad rabbi gave him a gift. The gift was a pair of tefillin. And the deal was, here's the pair of tefillin. Now you've got to use them. So he did. But he didn't just use them in the conventional sense, as in putting on tefillin himself. He figured he's got a pair of tefillin and he knows one or two people. He's fairly prominent individual in the particular community that he belongs to, the reform community. So why not encourage a few other people to use his tefillin as well? And I just think that's such a beautiful and powerful insight into how the Jewish psyche works. So I don't know how many years it had been since he last put on tefillin, if it was his bar mitzvah, or if perhaps he hadn't even put tefillin on at his bar mitzvah. By the way, that happens in the States. Here it's quite normal. We expect that a child has his bar mitzvah. He knows he's going to get a pair of tefillin. He's going to go to a Jewish day school. They're going to put on tefillin every single day of their high school career, pretty much. You can pretty much rely on that. And what happens after that? Okay, maybe that's when it will become dormant. In the States, it's not that way. There are many kids who have their bar mitzvah. It's some kind of a function that has slight Jewish overtones, and there is no tefillin in the picture. It's quite something. It's really different. So I don't know when this fellow last put on tefillin. But look at that. The moment he's exposed and makes a connection to that particular means of observance, to that particular mitzvah, straight away he already switches over into a, a different perspective, which says, well, maybe I can share this with somebody else. Maybe I can give another Jewish person the opportunity to have the same experience that I'm having right now. And I think that's very powerful. So here we've got a group of people who are now – Let's be cynical. They're going to hide behind a law that says they don't have to go to work on Shabbos in Israel any longer, and nobody can force them to go in spite of them not being Shabbos observant. So we could roll our cynical eyes and say, yeah, wonderful. It's not going to make really meaningful difference to any of those people. All you've done is you've created a weekend for them. They're going to hang out doing every single thing that is inappropriate on a Shabbos. They'll go to non-kosher restaurants. They'll drive their cars. They'll use electricity. They'll make cash transactions, etc. So we could roll those cynical eyes and say, what on earth has the Knesset achieved? Or, or we could say, hang on a second, this is amazing. Because the moment you expose any of us to what we're really all about, which is our relationship with God, something switches. Something wakes up inside of us. In the same way as the, you've got that fellow who hasn't put on tefillin or perhaps had never put on tefillin in his life, and then he gets his pair of tefillin, something wakes up in his life, and, and he says, okay, listen, I, maybe I need to share this with somebody else. In the same way, you've got somebody who experiences a Shabbos, not a proper Shabbos necessarily, not going to shul kind of a Shabbos, not a Shabbos where they shut down all 39 categories of activity that the Torah says you may not do on Shabbos, just simply they don't go to work. You don't know what that switches on inside of them.
So the, all the people made the comment that this is a good step in the right direction. Yes, absolutely. Not just in a, the right direction of the society, that the society is celebrating and, and acknowledging the value of Shabbos, which of course in itself is a brilliant thing. But it's a good first step in terms of the person. You don't know where this is going to land up. There are so many occasions where you come across stories of people and one particular incident in their life became the catalyst for all kinds of things. In fact, to be honest, I've had uh, some very interesting stories like that happen to me personally. And I'm sure you have too. And if not you, somebody who you know, where you thought it was just a fly-by-night kind of an experience. And you don't anticipate that that particular thing, that once-off, is going to be such an incredibly important moment in somebody's life that could totally, totally shift the direction that they go in. So, yes, I'll concur with all the people who say that it's a healthy and positive and welcome step in the right direction. I just wonder if it's more than just a step in the right direction because for every person who is inspired because of one thing, one catalyst in their life, and because of that they become a little bit more engaged in their Judaism, there must be at least another person, maybe two or three people, who it's water off a duck's back. So they had the experience. So they went to a person for Shabbos, and it was nice. So they had a wave of conscience and thought maybe they'll start to keep Shabbos, and then it passed. Maybe they put on Tefillin at a particular event or because somebody stopped them on the side of the road, and then that was the last time they put on Tefillin for the next 20 years. So is it purely just about the what's going to come from it, or is it fair to say that there is some kind of inherent and meaningful value in what you do, even if it's the only thing that you do ever. So in context of these people who are not going to go to work on Shabbos now because they're protected by the law, is there a value in that, just that, not going to, to, to work because I'm conscious of the fact that it's Shabbos? 34519, if you've got a view on that. Otherwise, WhatsApp 0618951019. Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 High FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. So, talking about people who maybe observe just a little bit of their Jewish heritage and possibly for the wrong reasons, like the guy who doesn't want to go to work and now there's a law that protects him in Israel that says you don't have to go to work even if you don't keep Shabbos. You don't have to go to work on Shabbos. So, you know, I, I, f- I figure maybe I should just share very briefly a, a little story with you. That illustrates the point because people are saying that it's a step in the right direction. A number of you have said that. I, I think it's absolutely true. You you really don't know what one little step can do, what one little encounter can do for a person. Recently came across a story of, well, let me tell you a rather personal story. So we once had a group who visited us for Pesach and they really thought they were coming just for the Pesach Seder, Israeli guys. And it's a long story. I won't go through the detail. But in their minds, they were coming for one night just for the Pesach Seder. And after that, they were going to go on their merry way. They were tourists. They were traveling. And because of one thing or another, they actually couldn't leave when they wanted to. And they landed up spending the week, the whole Pesach, in a Chabad Pesach, for those people who understand just how austere a Chabad Pesach is. And at the end of the week, they went off to continue their touring. And only years later, 
did one of them get in contact with me and say, but you just have to understand that that Pesach we spent in your house was a life-changing experience for us. They came from a kibbutz, which was extremely secular. They had never had a proper Pesach Seder, let alone a full week of Pesach in their lives. And because of the exposure to, I suppose, what Pesach really is all about, it just set them on a whole trajectory. They landed up, both of them, in a yeshiva, and they landed up becoming observant Jews. So you never know when you say step in the right direction, absolutely. When a person does one thing, and you can easily say that that one thing has no value, you don't know. You don't know where it's going to land up. But I had a thought also, <clears throat> because having been in the States last week and started the, the visit in New York, and I was there over the time, or just before the Yorzeit, the 24th Yorzeit of the Rebbe. So you could feel that there was a lot of uh, excitement building, people coming in from all over the world. Eventually, over the course of the weekend, 50,000 people visited the Rebbe's gravesite in tribute and prayer. So you know, one of the things that always happens at that time of the year, as happens all the time, but it's accentuated at that time of the year, is the mitzvah campaigns. The Rebbe initiated various mitzvah campaigns, which is, uh, if you think about it, it was a, quite a revolutionary idea, and it was certainly more 21st century than it was 20th century. And that's the idea of pop-up mitzvahs. So today you'll have this kind of thing. You'll have these little pop-up shops, and you'll have these short experiences, the short bursts of inspiration like we have on social media. And the Rebbe had this vision of these little pop-up mitzvahs. So whether it was a mobile mitzvah tank or if it was a sukkah in the middle of a public place or on the back of a bucky, or if it was just simply people coming around to individuals in their place of work and giving them the opportunity to do mitzvahs. So the classic line that's always associated with those pop-up mitzvahs is excuse me are you jewish in fact there's even a book called excuse me are you jewish and a couple of years ago i saw somebody posted um i don't remember where it was i think it may have even been the new york times it was a non-jewish person writing about oh it's excuse me are you jewish season referring to the time of sukkot you know with this uh, sukkahs all over the place and people stopping people on the side of the road and giving them the opportunity to shake the lulav so it's always prefaced by that line excuse me are you jewish and if you think about it, here in South Africa, we, we don't really do that so much. That means to say that we have it here too, where there's this pop-up mitzvah kind of concept, but we know the stomping grounds of the Jewish community. So if you are standing at one of those retail outlets where you know that the majority of people who come are Jewish, you don't necessarily ask first, excuse me, are you Jewish? But when you go to the, the States, especially like middle America, where I was last week, and you recognize that Jewish people don't necessarily identify as Jewish. I'm not only talking externally, wearing things like a chai or a magen david. I'm saying they don't identify as Jewish. They, don't, they think of themselves as Americans. They think of themselves as part of the greater international community, but they don't necessarily think about their Judaism, about their Jewish identity. It's very sad. It's one of the reasons that there's a super high level of intermarriage in the United States. And it's also one of the reasons why, but even or not, I came across a community where they said that the average kid has never heard of a shofar. Now, our kids, 90% of them have heard a shofar, probably in shul on Rosh Hashanah. So it's quite different. Imagine the scene. You've got somebody whose Judaism is a vague, abstract part of their subconscious. It's not something that's relevant to them on a daily basis, even on a weekly basis. And perhaps their identity is associated with Jewish public figures. And then on the side of the road is this guy with a beard and a hat and sits it hanging out, or a girl who's dressed more modestly than any normal person in the 21st century, 
especially in hot weather, and there they are standing on the side of the road, and they approach you, the stranger, with this line, excuse me, are you Jewish? And the person says, yes. And then they say to them, would you like to? So it might be, would you like to? Pray with us, put on tefillin. Would you like to say a blessing of the lulav? And then explain, of course, what that is, because many people wouldn't know what it is. Would you like to take these candles home to light on Friday night? Now, sometimes the person will say, yeah, sure, no problem. What do I have to do? Show me. Roll up your sleeve, say these words. More often than not, and this is a sad reality, but more often than not, especially if you're in these kind of communities that are so detached from their Judaism, the person will turn around and say, not today, or I'm not interested or as one person told me on the plane on the way to the States, I don't believe in the dogma of Judaism. Is that a moment that is lost? Is that a moment where this person went out with all their eagerness and idealism and thought that they were going to be able to touch somebody's life and give them some kind of spiritual depth and meaning and connection, and it just didn't work out because the person rejected them out of hand? So I think most of us would feel, yeah, that, that, was, that was a complete waste. What a pity. Here I am standing for X amount of time on the side of the road trying to find somebody who will take the bait and get involved in their Judaism, and I'm just being rejected left, right, and center. Now, in the sales world, they'll tell you that every no is closer to a yes, and it's true in the religious world as well. So, yeah, this person said no, that person said no, that eventually will be the person who says yes, and that's very invigorating and it's very encouraging and you feel fantastic that's not my question my question is about the person who says no thanks was there any value in that interaction now a lot of the psychology the thinking the spiritual investment behind these pop-up mitzvah campaigns was that the Rebbe said just that question alone asking somebody excuse me are you Jewish just that has phenomenal value because it's that important for a person from time to time, the more frequently the better. But even if it's infrequently, it's that important for a person just to consider their Jewish identity. Are you Jewish? Hmm, that's food for thought. Maybe my answer in the moment is X. But maybe it makes me think a little differently when I walk away on my errands or whatever it is that I'm about to do. Hang on a second. Am I Jewish? What does that mean? Why did the guy want to know? What was it going to offer me? What was it going to cost me? What's the relevance of being Jewish in a 21st century modern world? And sometimes that in itself is worth 100% value. Because the value we have is not an accumulation of what we do. The value we have is who we are. So if somebody becomes conscious of who they are, that is extremely powerful. Especially if they're conscious not just who you are, homo sapien, who you are, American or South African citizen, who you are, nice guy, successful business person. Who you are is what's your soul all about? What's in your life that is more transcendent than just the here and now? That's not something you can bank. That's not something you can measure. That's not something you can describe. So when we confront who we are, that's very, very powerful. So to ask a person, excuse me, are you Jewish? You force them to confront, well, who am I? What is my essence? How do I define myself? Why is that relevant? What does it mean to me? And there's 100% value in that, even if you didn't even get 10% value of the observance of the mitzvah that goes with it. 
Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 High FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. So just to wrap up, new law in Israel says that an employer may not force employees to come work on Shabbos, even if those employees are not Shabbos observant. And people say, well, that's great, moving us in the right direction. I'm going to suggest something else. I'm going to suggest that's great in and of itself. Just that awareness in exactly the same fashion as when you ask somebody, excuse me, are you Jewish? What you've done is you've touched briefly the core of their being. You've forced them to confront the essence of who they are. You've made them think about something that's so deep and important to them that they often don't think about. I'd like to suggest that a similar kind of thing is going to happen now in Israeli society. Yes, of course, a person's going to keep Shabbos only to get out of work. In other words, they're not going to really keep Shabbos. They're going to do their own thing, but they're going to use it as an excuse to get out of work. Sure, absolutely, and you can accuse them of hypocrisy. At the same time, what's happening to them now is that on a Shabbos, in fact, every single Shabbos once a week, like it or not, consciously or not, they're going to be aware of the fact that it's Shabbos, and that Shabbos is something which means something to me as a Jewish person. That's why I'm not at work today. Fascinating, because I think before this law was instituted, and before there was the possibility for people to open their shops on Shabbos, and you probably had people who did not think much about Shabbos. It's just, it was the weekend. Now there's like a consciousness. Now suddenly, if I'm not going to work, it's because I'm protected by this law that says, today is Shabbos. And I'm therefore making a statement to myself, if nothing else, to say, I am Jewish. And Jews shouldn't work on Shabbos. doesn't matter what I'm doing. I'm conscious of the fact I shouldn't be working. Is that 10 out of 10? No, it's not 10 out of 10. Is it valuable? Absolutely. I think it's absolutely valuable. Because ultimately, we are not purely, like I said, the accumulation of the things that we do. We are the essence of who we are. And sometimes these things come up. Unfortunately, they're often in a negative space. Somebody pushes our button, hurls an anti-Semitic slur at us. And that's when we suddenly realize, hey, this is who I am. Don't start up with who I am. Maybe I don't do all those Jewish things, but don't start up with who I am. That's why you'll find that the response to anti-Semitism is not based on how religious you are. It's just, I'm Jewish. That's it. So it's nice, it's refreshing to have the same kind of impact on people through something positive. In this case, a law, a rule passed by the Knesset, which says, acknowledge Shabbos, like it or not. <laughs> it's quite incredible. Some people will say it's not democratic. It's highly democratic. Your choice. You could choose if you're going to keep Shabbos or not. But if you choose not to keep Shabbos and not to go to work, well, by all means, because you'll be acknowledging the fact that Shabbos is a value. You'll be acknowledging the fact that Shabbos is part of what Judaism is all about. And in a Jewish state, that should be front of mind at all times. So, don't know if you can get away with the same thing from your employer, but I'd like to believe that any of us living in a free democratic society have the right to our religious expression and we could equally take off Shabbos and nobody can hold, can hold us accountable for it because it's our right, it's our privilege, it's the source of our blessings. And on that note, I wish you a good Shabbos. Please God, it should be meaningful, refreshing and inspiring and have a great week ahead.